Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 42, the one after the last episode that you'll probably never hear. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, things are going well. Yeah, that's good to hear. Heard you had a special event last Wednesday. How'd that go? Oh, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, very unique event. Uh, I was having uh, some wine with some friends. Uh, it was a small wine tasting with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. How many people were at that? Uh, there's a total of 25 people. Oh, that's, that's kind of a small little event. Yeah, it's very small. Uh, we all got to... Uh, we had, what, four... No, five different uh, types of wine there that we went through the tasting. Uh, this was put on by Court, and the CEO of Court there. Was, I mean, the CEO of Court was there, and um, actually got my hand and helped uh, distribute some of the the wines to to uh, everyone who attended. So it was a really good, fun event, and I was happy I was able to participate. That's pretty cool. I'm curious, how many times did he plug his new book? Zero. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I figured when you got a new book like that, he would have plugged it a couple of times at least. Well, he he did the circuit before coming there. I think he went to four different book signings before he ended up hmm. at the wine tasting. So uh, I think he was all peddling out. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought about how I'm going to ever do that. If, I, if ever I go to a book signing, now all I have is a Kindle. I mean, there's only so many people I can have autograph a Kindle. <laughs> I've never really given much thought of how I'm going to work that if I ever find any authors who's who I'd like to sign my Kindle. Yeah, and it would suck if Amazon decides to yank the book off your Kindle, too. Yeah, that too. I, don't know, I just got done actually reading The Lost Symbol last night by Dan Brown. That That's pretty good. I, I, was, I was surprised at how good that was, and now I'm starting in on Gary Vaynerchuk's new book, Crush It!, Oh, so you got it? You have it? Yeah, I've got it on my Kindle. I, I got it, I don't know, I guess a couple of days after it came out. I was just waiting to finish the Lost Symbol before I started on it. Did uh, did he, or is he planning on to coming to, uh, for a book signing in your area? You know, I'm not sure. I haven't looked. I, if he came to Colorado, I'm sure it would be Denver, so it would be at least 100 miles that I'd have to go to go see him. Uh, you never know. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. But anyway, we have plenty of show this week. It's like as I mentioned earlier, episode 41 is kind of the lost episode. I don't know exactly what happened after we finished recording. I went to go to the recorder and close it out and everything so it would make the MP3. Well, somehow it had some kind of an illegal error or fatal error or something like that, and everything just kind of went down the tubes. So, so much for episode 41, if it ever happens to rematerialize on my computer, and we happen to have to miss a week or whatever, I'll put it up as the lost episode. But, until then, I guess don't count much on episode number 41. Um, we didn't have a show last week, I was supposed to go to a concert Monday night, ended up not happening, and then the rest of the week we were both just busy, so that's why there was no show last week last two weeks, actually. So, we do have a nice, busy show today. Um, a couple of things I wanted to mention. I 
since it was supposed to be mentioned on episode 41, the winner of the Windows 7 Ultimate giveaway was announced. That person was BigDog969 on Twitter, and I believe last week he received his copy of Windows 7, so hopefully Jared enjoys that. Um, I can't think of anything else. Don't forget to check out the, check out the blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog, and you can follow along with us and our stories on the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Uh, i got a couple other items. I'll talk about those at the end of the show, so let's get right off and talk about how apparently a the sheriff's lawsuit over Craigslist erotic ads has been thrown out. Yeah, we talked about this what, a couple months ago, about how the sheriff was trying to you know, basically single-handedly take Craigslist down um, because so many of their arrests were coming from Craigslist on prostitution. Um, but And then, you know, Craig Newmark decided to make changes to help reduce some of that, And uh, but he never, uh, he, he didn't think that was adequate and still decided to sue Craigslist. Yeah, apparently the sheriff, Thomas Dart, was going after Craigslist because they think that they're somehow soliciting prostitution by allowing um, the erotic services section on their site. But apparently Craigslist used the Communications Decency Act to get that completely thrown out. And I believe the judge said that he likened it to phone companies are not liable for harassing phone calls or email software providers aren't liable for deceptive messages. So this is just kind of a case of you can't shoot the messenger. Right. And um, from reading the article, it seems that the sheriff um, genuinely believed that if Craigslist went away, the problem of prostitution would go away also. Um, He spent, what is said, over 3,100 work hours uh, with his uh, crew to make arrests well that sounds like that's that that is the most effective way of doing it if people know hey if you use craigslist you get arrested it's going to go somewhere else the same as if craigslist didn't exist exist sounds like he's got a bunch of free time on his hands to me well if he's looking for maybe he was doing it anyway yeah (laughs) yeah who knows i don't know i'd be kind of curious to know what would happen if Craigslist shut down, I'm kind of curious to know how that would affect the print in- industry and how ads are on there. Um, That's certainly something I interesting to ponder, anyway. Well, I, I don't think we have. Um, you know, I wonder with the problems within the print industry, I wonder how a, a classified-only publication would would work. We've got some similar, some stuff, some little local papers similar to that around here. It used to be called the Thrifty Nickel. I can't think of what it's called now. I think it's, you know, American Nickel or something like that. Where it's basically just a little mini paper that comes out every week that is just ads for stuff that people are selling or local events and stuff. There's no real content to it. It's just ads. We have the green sheet here. I'm not sure if they have them there, but... um, I don't know how successful they are doing. I wish I could... Um, I, I have a friend who works for a local newspaper. Maybe I can ask him. Yeah, I haven't heard how the local newspapers around here is doing. I know that they got rid of all of their part-time writers, but other than that, I haven't 
heard much of anything, and I, I've, I have noticed that they seem to be outsourcing a fair bit of their content to the AP, and they're just running AP articles for a lot of it. Yeah. Well, the good thing about this article is that uh, it seems like the the law system, at least uh, here in the United States, is becoming more web-savvy, and the judgments are, are making logical sense. At least I, I hope that's a, a trend. Well, speaking of judgments, a judgment came down against the Pirate Bay last week, and apparently, much like the judgment that came down against Mininova, they are now supposed to be given a list of copyrighted files by Breen, and they're supposed to remove all of the torrents for those files, otherwise they'll face a fine of $7,500 per person per day, and I believe this involves the... Um, three main guys that work on the Pirate Bay. Yeah, apparently this list is supposed to be uh, copyrighted material um, that they should take down and should restrict people from uh, access to their site. But is uh, Breen supposed to show not only a list of what they want taken down, but proof that it is indeed illegal content uh, or copyrighted works? Because just having the name doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's copyrighted content. They're going to have to download it and verify it before they would be able to consider that copyrighted content. I would assume so. I don't. I'm not sure exactly how that would work. And as of right now, I guess the Pirate Bay Pirate Bay guys are still considering whether or not to appeal the decision, because that would be a lot of work if they had to go through and delete all a whole bunch of torrents. Yeah, and also, I mean. They do realize that them not listing the torrents is not actually deleting the torrents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how this works from a technical perspective. I guess the whole point is to make the copyrighted, copyright infringement, infringing content unavailable to Dutch users. So, if I was the Pirate Bay, I'd just block Dutch people from accessing it and say, screw you. Mm, yeah, well, but and, and that just seems like the idea to me that would be a whole lot less work. Yeah, I think uh, there's a possibility that if for someone made Pirate Bay two, bought that domain, put it somewhere else, have it run by a whole another group of people that and just mirrored all the content. Mm-hmm. Um, what did what is what are they going to do then? What is the are the courts going to try to go after them if it's in another another location, another set of uh, owners? It sounds like they would basically mirror themselves, or someone would mirror them and make it redundant. Well, I know a while back when there was um, threats of them being bought out and stuff, there was a torrent that was up on the pirate bay that was basically an index or a copy of everything on the site, all of the torrents and everything, so that anybody could basically start up their own version of the Pirate Bay. And I think there was, I know of at least one place that did that, and it seemed like they immediately, within a day, already had um, people looking to sue them. Right. Um, But if someone set up something like, say... You know, just mirror the Pirate Bay. Not look at the content, not this is what we're going to distribute. Just 
a crawler, crawls Pirate Bay, copies all the links there, and then reposts it there. What would call that? What, I mean, that wouldn't even be close to being illegal. It's just a mirror. Yeah, maybe. I'm not real sure how that gets looked upon, and I think, and I think that largely depends on a country's laws and stuff. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Pirate Bay is nothing more than a search engine and a very bad one at that. So I can mm-hmm. rarely find what it is I'm looking for on there. Although, found the new Battlestar Galactica sh- movie on there last week. Movie? What? Uh, movie? Yeah, the Battlestar Galactica, the plan, the um, two-hour movie, or it's right around two hours of... Basically, it, it kind of tells the Cylons' side of the story as to like why they attack the colonies and everything. Oh, never heard of that. Yeah, it's... I, I believe, actually, it's supposed to ship today, I think. Right. Oh, it's a straight-to-DVD thing? Yeah, it's a straight-to-DVD thing, although Sci-Fi is supposed to be airing it sometime early next year. Huh. Although I'm sure there's going to be some editing out of a little stuff, but I don't, I don't know how much, just because I've heard that the sci-fi airing is supposed to have a fair amount of less time on it than the DVD is. But really, I I didn't really care too much for the movie, but that's just me. <laughs> anyway, um, the also the Pirate Bay trial for the actual Pirate Bay guys... The appeal for it has been moved back to the summer of next year. I guess the Pirate Bay guys were looking for a bit of a delay, and something happened that that ended up being okay with the prosecutor, so it's getting delayed back until sometime in the summer of next year. Are they in jail this whole time? No. No? No, they're still out free and operating the Pirate Bay. Okay. With the exception of Peter Sundy, as far as I know of... I think he still has some dealings with the Pirate Bay, but he's no longer their official spokesperson. Right. But Anyway, speaking of idiotic copyrighted stuff, apparently the UK's Performing Rights Society, or the PRS, is apparently, or was apparently trying to um, sue or fine a, fix, a 56-year-old grandmother for singing in her store but apparently has since withdrawn the complaint. And this started earlier, before this incident, about her singing with the fact that she had a radio in her store and she was playing music. And they said that she had to pay 80 pounds, um, mm-hmm. uh, or 80 sterling, uh, I think it's pounds, pounds. Uh, and annually to uh, for, for a licensee fee for playing music in her store. She So, so she decided not to pay them instead remove the radio and just to started to serenade her customers as they came in yeah from the way I understand it apparently in the UK which is where this story is based apparently if you play music outside of your home you have to pay some sort of performance rights fee which I'm guessing that probably wouldn't be the case if, it, if you're like listening to the radio on your car or something like that but in the, with her being in her store and having a radio going in her store, I guess they considered that a public performance and apparently the fine or the annual fee for that is 80 pounds and 
when I guess now they just there doesn't seem to be any real reason that they backed off of this other than maybe bad publicity. They just seem to have said we're sorry and sent her a bouquet of flowers. Well, we we have the same laws here in the United States, or the same uh, music body uh, tries to get performance royalties. Um, I think it's uh, ASCAP. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that they try to try to get money from cell phone providers for ringtones whenever someone got a call and the audio ringtone mm-hmm. of a, a song would ring that they would try to get money for every time your phone rang with that song. It seems like in the past week or two, uh, court ruled that that was absurd and kind of threw that yeah. out, if I remember correctly. That's, that's true, but basically it's just the same equivalent group there. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the many groups that don't seem to have much of a clue. Yeah, I think the lawyers for these firms are just set, um, just put in a room, and all they have all they have to do is to come up with ways of how they can sue people and and recoup some of this cost. And so I think that's this is just them reaching out and trying to do what they're tasked to do. I'm kind of curious to know how much they lost on lawyer fees when they were trying to pursue this lady, only to turn around and send her a bouquet of flowers. They're probably on staff. They're probably under under salary. Um, I don't I don't know if they really lost any money. They probably just didn't get any. They probably waste more time that they could have pursued some legitimate claims, but you know, what's legitimate? True. Well speaking of wasting time, apparently Facebook users spend eight billion minutes a day on Facebook. Right. Half of those billion are are my minutes. <laughs> Hell, I'm on there 24/7. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not surprising. It's also uh, they say that they display up to 1.2 million photos, and uh, over, uh, over, see, their API calls are extremely high too. I'm just trying to figure out where if it says it in this story. Uh, 115,000 sites have integrated Facebook Connect. Right. Which means, I guess, the... A- five billion. Yeah, five billion times the API was accessed yesterday alone. Yeah. It, it's the number that blows me away is the 1.2 million photos served on Facebook each second. Yeah, that's more, the, than, more than Flickr. Yeah, that's the number that blows me away. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, every time you see a picture... You want to click on it, especially if it's someone you know. That's why phishing scams work so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it never amazes, it never ceases to amaze me how many images people have on there, especially compared to like their flickers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm having mine peered, so whatever I post to Flickr usually is going to get posted to Facebook too. Yeah, I believe that's the way I have mindset as well so when it goes on Flickr it hits Facebook then usually I'll end up blogging the pictures later on as well but. Yeah, so they're under high strain they have very high visitation rates um, I know there are over 300, 300 million users mm-hmm. and I think these numbers show that there are when they have users that they're highly active mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that even the lowest user is probably on the site frequently enough. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised when I, at the bottom of the story, it says that 
for every engineer that Facebook has, they have 1.2 million users, which is why they're looking to increase their staff by 40 to 50 percent. Because they're as they should, because their their services going down constantly. Yeah, it. Well, part of the problem is they keep rolling out these changes. I mean, just last week they changed the layout and how things work to some new live feed, which as best as I can figure is a very mm-hmm. poor implementation of friend feed, essentially. Yeah. They also are trying to keep up with Twitter. Yeah, well, well I don't even know how much they really necessarily need to do that, because from what I saw last week, uh, Twitter's numbers have, at least in the U.S., are starting to level off quite a bit. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of hype, but it also could be that hopefully they're able to curtail some of the spam spammers that have joined because that that had have been at least rough estimate twenty percent of their users had to be spammers bots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a ton of spammers out there. But speaking of Twitter, apparently twenty about twenty eight and a half percent like to stay um, informed of the, whatever the news and current events are through Twitter as they click on those kind of links in Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's the digital water cooler. Just people gossip and swap stories, and there's a whole bunch of did you hear or did you know that's going on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. What amazes me is that with a number that high, I never seem to get click-through rates on st- stuff that I link to that much, and... Usually, if I'm really lucky, maybe I'll get two or three retweets, but most of the time I don't even get any. Yeah, I think it's a feast or famine, usually on Twitter. It, the people who usually get retweeted will always usually get retweeted. The people who don't usually don't. It's rare that uh, even I will get a lot of retweets on anything that I send out. Yeah, I'm starting to think what I need to work on is getting more followers so that hopefully that number will kind of go up a little bit. I think it's more of finding people that your message really resonates with because they are the people who are going to care enough to do the retweeting. So as long as it's something that they find important and they feel that they need to share, I think that will, if that is your goal, is is, uh, to get more retweets, is to get more of those people. Well, what I've been looking at what I've been testing out lately is in TweetDeck I'll have a couple separate columns open where I'll have a, doing a, a constant search on specific terms like podcast and Android so that way whenever I see somebody mention something about podcasts see if I would, I'll message them and see if they'd be interested in listening to this show or if they're an Android user I'll send them a link talking about my Android application and see if maybe I can get some sales that way. And so far it hasn't seemed to have worked all that much, but I've gotten a couple of extra followers from it, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't seem to be real engaged followers anyway. Well, well, it's more of an art than a science. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that just don't seem to be going very good... Yahoo is officially closing GeoCities as of today. Yeah. Um, I think this is a place in everyone's memory of being on the web 
GeoCities and the horrible web pages that were there. I don't even um, know if I've been to a GeoCities page since the 90s. Uh, I think I've gotten a couple of link farms from there, but <laughs> that's about it. Nothing legitimate. No reason to go there anyway. Um, so they're signing off, they're closing doors, and even though they had a ton of page views, it seems that they just didn't want to worry about the infrastructure costs, and uh, there's a possibility they may have even uh, not known how to market it, market it to advertisers correctly. Well, whenever I tried getting into the into GeoCities back in the 90s, it always seemed to be very restrictive. There was very little like limits in terms of the amount of stuff that you could upload, the amount of space and everything, the amount of bandwidth and everything. So I never really had much use for it for what I wanted to do. So I never really messed too much with it. And what amazes me about the whole thing is that according to Alexa, it's still one of the top 200 um, websites on the internet. Yes, a lot of traffic goes through there. But the question is, are the bandwidth, uh, the advertising revenue equivalent or greater than the bandwidth and maintenance costs? Yeah. Well, you got to assume that there's most of the GeoCities site, I'd say a vast majority of them are going to be abandoned anyway. And mm-hmm. pretty much any more GeoCities is just kind of the place where pages from the 90s are kind of just kind of on their deathbeds where it's just filled with, an, with animated GIFs and broken links. Well, I guess the good thing is that there's an archive team and also in conjunction with uh, archive.org, they're trying to save as many pages as they can before um, the, the plug was pulled and the patient died. Yeah, it makes me kind of wonder if I ever really messed too much with GeoCities. I think I had a GeoCities account at one point, but... I don't think I ever did much of anything with it just because of the ads and stuff that I had to show. Yeah, I think I, I, I gave it a good four or five hours mm-hmm. trying to put scripts in to actually remove the ad on my own site. <laughs> um, but that never worked. Um, I, I just basically copied and pasted some HTML I had from my own from another location into it and left it at that as that and never really updated it. Um, but same thing with my Angel Fire page back in the day, but yeah, it 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 was supposed to be a community. I, I don't think it really facilitated communications across communities, but it was a good idea when it started. It's just the web evolved, and Yahoo didn't do anything to keep it relevant. Yeah, they never seemed to ever do anything to upgrade it as to where it had this very mid-90s look to pretty much every page you went to. And even some of the better-looking pages looked about as ugly as most of the pages you'll find on MySpace. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me kind of wonder, I wish I could see some kind of statistics as to how many animated GIFs there are on the Internet and how many <laughs> and what the percentage of them was that went away when GeoCities closed. Yeah, GeoCities for the win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, so long, GeoCities. Yeah. But, and... Um, Sorry that you wouldn't be able to watch any of those animated GIFs on the new Barnes and Noble Noble uh, Nook. Yeah, I was hoping to get a. I was hoping the local Barnes and Noble would have one. I went by there Saturday night and they didn't have one, but 
Barnes & Noble has announced their dual-screen ebook reader for 260 bucks that has the e-ink screen on the top and then a small little color LCD screen, uh, touch screen, on the bottom. Yeah, the the screen at the bottom looks more like a like touch flow, uh, not not touch flow, but cover uh, flow. Cover flow. Yeah, I was I just got a new Windows Mobile phone, HTC uh, Tilt Two, and it has touch flow 3D, and so I have a little touch flow on the mine. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sold on this. I mean, it's got a number of things that the Kindle doesn't have, like Wi-Fi and 3G, which if you've got a 3G connection, in this case, to AT&T, exactly what's the purpose of Wi-Fi? I mean, they're, I, they're saying that books will download in a few seconds, and even the Kindle downloads in under a minute. Really, you don't really need the speed of Wi-Fi on there. I think it's because if you're in a building, uh, or if you, like, like, for instance, a Barnes & Noble, that may be fairly big, you might not get a signal, which I think you can. I mean, I've never been to a bookstore where you couldn't get a wireless signal. But it's also, I think, if it's a 3G-only device, I'm not sure if it says it has edge or not. Mm-hmm. So I know 3G for AT&T can be pretty spotty, so it might be just that. It could be, I don't know. And even the newer Kindles are now on AT&T, which I didn't even realize until last week. The international ones, yes. Even the regular ones. The newer regular ones are even on AT&T. Anything that's still on the Sprint network, like my old Kindle, that's going to stay on Sprint. But anything, any of the new Kindles are now on AT&T. Well, I think that's be- the, the new ones are the international ones. Yeah, I believe they consolidated it all into one as well. But I, yeah. I think even the DX is on AT&T now. Really? Mm-hmm. That I did not hear. Yeah, it, it kind of surprised me. I don't know why you'd want to go to... AT&T's network that's so horrible when the when Sprint's network seemed to be doing a great job. But money, I guess. But what really amazes me about this um, Nook is the battery life doesn't seem to be that great. They're saying you could get up to ten days, but I'm sure that largely depends on just how much of the th- a the three G that you use and two and b the l the um, color LCD screen at the bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah, this won't even be released until the end of November, so don't expect a lot of hands-on uh, hands-on usage before then. Maybe to reviewers and such, but still, I mean, there's only a, so much they can do within between now and when it actually is released. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to see some practical numbers, because... Everybody always inflates their battery numbers up to the highest you can get. And with the pin, with the Kindle, assuming I'm not using much in the way of the 3G on it, I can get a couple of weeks worth of reading before having to charge. And if this is saying only 10 days, that that's kind of sad. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to be able to do some, well, they probably will, some firmware pushes to maybe improve that over time. Also, I would assume so. Apparently, the L- the screen on the bottom, the color screen, uses Android. So I would assume that whenever Android gets an update, it would get an update as well. And apparently, the one advantage, as far as I'm concerned, that it has over the Kindle, is that it uses a micro. That you not only does it have two 
gigs of built-in storage, but it has a micro SD expansion slot, so you can add more storage as needed. Oh, great. And I didn't know it was running Android. That that means it's going to be hacked soon. Yep. It is running Android. They're, they aren't saying much of anything in terms of apps or anything yet, though. And what's really kind of mind-boggling from what I saw of um, the Q&A session, I think it was that Gizmodo did on it, that apparently there's a Barnes & Noble iPhone app. The Nook is using Android, but there is not an a Barnes & Noble app on Android, and they don't even know when there's going to be one coming out that's just kind of a, well, maybe we'll do one. Yet apparently there is a Barnes & Noble app for Windows Mobile that is in the works. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they're getting paid for that. I don't have a clue. It, it seems kind of screwy to me. Well, there are more Windows Mobile devices than there are Android devices. Yeah, but Android is going to be the number two device by, I think it's 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, I don't think they can wait till then. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see when they come out with something like that. But... Speaking of new developments, apparently Walmart has decided that it's going to take on Best Buy and come up with their own version of the Geek Squad. Yeah, first it was their own cell phones and cell phone services. Now um, they're going to have their own install and and basic um, basic uh, what do you call it? training services for for new electronic equipment. Yeah, I'm I'm just not sure I. With as generally low-end as most people view Walmart, I'm not sure I would necessarily trust the tech people that they would have working there. Well, it's a third-party company called New Customer Service Companies. Uh, that's N-E-W. So I think they would just want a contract to be in stores and to be available. But would you want to spend three thirty-nine for an install of a $200 TV? <laughs> or even let's say it was seven hundred dollars. You want to spend fifty percent of that price for an install and setup? I don't think so. I mean, if you're going there for a bargain, I think you're going to try to figure it out yourself. Yeah. Well, that I think that's kind of the problem with the Walmart demographic. It's that generally the people who buy their electronics from Walmart aren't the most knowledgeable people about them, as to where they probably wouldn't know the difference between a uh, HDMI cable and just a composite cable. Right. And they're probably not calibrating their TVs and all that, but do they care is the question. I, I mean, yeah. do they just want whatever's cheapest and they hook it up and say, look, I have a new TV and it works for them. Uh, it, I don't know. Well, I think all of this just kind of, to me, in my, in my mind, it comes from a failure of electronics manufacturers to have a decent user's guide with whatever their in, um, product is. And if I get, I mean, if I get a, pro, a product, say a TV or whatever, that gives me some really good instructions on how to get all my channels set up and everything, I have no need for a service like that. But if you get a product that you can barely make heads or tails of what it is they're trying to say, and then they're trying to say the same thing in 12 different languages, yeah, you're probably going to need a service like this or the Geek Squad or whatever. Yeah. But I think these are people who are more inclined to call their friends that know what they're doing than to pay for someone 
to come and set it up for them because, as I said before, they're pretty price conscious. Yeah. When it comes to stuff like this, call your friends, not your family. Family tends to get annoyed that you're bugging them with your setup problems. I know that's the way I am and a lot of geeks are. Yeah, that's some wise sage advice right there. That That's kind of why I don't do tech support stuff anymore. I mean, I used to have people who I'd go to their house and fix their computers and stuff, but then it got to the point where all my family was wanting me to do help and expecting me to do it for free. It's like, okay, enough of this. But. Yeah, it's 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 a hard thing. Um, I'm glad I don't work for Dell anymore, which I used to in tech support. And so I say, you still work for Dell? And I get to say, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me the happiest man in the world. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would ever work for Dell. But that's just because I have other issues with them. Anyway, apparently, um, a little bit of good news. Apparently, the PlayStation 3 is finally getting Netflix streaming. Well, good for you guys. I know you have a PlayStation 3, and it's something that, since especially since the box, boxy debacle, uh, something you've been wanting. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I don't have much in the way of use for my 360 now. I mean, I, there, there's, there's still some games that I play once in a while, but really the main thing I used my 364 was Netflix streaming. But as of November, that's coming to the PlayStation 3. Though, the way they have it set up right now, it's not the most ideal setup. Apparently what you have to do is you're going to have, if you're a Netflix customer and have a PS3, you're going to have to go onto their website and there's already a link up there to let you know when it's going to become available for the PS3 because there's no specific date in November yet. But you're going to have to order for free a disc, a Blu-ray disc that you put into the PSP, this is a disc that you keep forever, no charge or anything, so it's not like it counts against your disc that you have rented out. And whenever you want to watch a streaming movie, you have to put the disc in. And eventually that's going to change, I guess, in 2010. They've got a firmware update for the PS3 coming out that'll integrate Netflix into the PS3 like it is with the 360. But for at least a little while anyway... Once this gets going, you're just going to have to have a disc in at all times whenever you want to do any streaming. Yeah, my guess is that the the disc uh, bypass or solution, whatever you want to call it, is to uh, circumvent the contract that Netflix has with Microsoft about their ex- exclusivity agreement on the 360. I bet they have language stating that it cannot be natively uh, or native to the console. And having it boot from a disc would would be a clever way of getting around that. Yeah, I was kind of under the impression that the Netflix thing would be exclusive to the 360 at least up through the end of this year, and this is kind of the whole workaround around that, because there's been rumors for a long time that Netflix was coming to the PS3, and then they really picked up last week and they said in some kind of a survey, how would you like it if Netflix was in a, integrated with a consumer product or a consumer device that had a large install base, which meant basically one of two things. It was either coming to the PS3 or the iPhone. And we and pr- it was pretty much universally assumed that it would be the PS3 first before the iPhone. Uh-huh. Also, this is uh, probably... Um, a good way to 
get support and buzz right before the holidays when people are deciding what gifts to give each other and having Netflix and the and and the game catalog and downloadable content and especially with the price drop I think PS3 is going to look very very attractive to many people over the holiday season. Now last month the PS3 was on top in terms of sold and con- yeah in terms of sales. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to um, how that momentum is going to keep going through the following, up through the at least through the Christmas season, especially with an announcement like this coming. Because I know a lot of people that are on the fence about getting the PS3. It's like, well, should I get a PS3? Should I get a 360? And the one's got the Blu-ray, but the other one's got Netflix. Well, now the Netflix argument or argument just kind of goes out the window. So you really have no real reason not to go with the PS3 because most of the games are the same and and you get Blu-ray. Plus, a, plus there's a browser built into the 360 which is nice too. I mean, yeah. the PS3. Come out with a, a killer uh, a killer console exclusive title for the holidays and I would say that's Checkmate. Yeah, I, I don't even know if there's supposed to be any big exclusives coming out real soon. I know the big game that everybody's waiting for is Modern Warfare 2, which I still don't know which platform I'm going to get that for. Generally, when it comes to first-person shooters, I'm a PC guy all the way, but I hear that they're saying no dedicated server for Modern Warfare 2, which really pisses me off, because that's all I ever do, is I play on my clan's dedicated server, and apparently there's not even going to be any mods allowed for it, and that that just kind of rubs me the wrong way, too, so I don't know if Maybe I should look into getting it for the PS3 or the 360 or what. Yeah, I heard that uh, on Buana, Buana's uh, podcast. Sounds like a lot of people are pissed about that. Oh, yeah. It, it's At last I knew, I think there was a petition going around that had over 100,000 signatures. A bunch of people have canceled their pre-orders. I mean, this is a big thing. A lot of people are going to be pissed if the content that was free that they're going to have to pay for also. True. Apparently Hulu is officially has their days numbered in terms of free streaming. I guess it looks like as of some point in 2010, they're going to be moving to a paid subscription model instead of a just allowing everybody to stream their stuff for free. Yeah, I know I'll be one of those people that's very pissed about that um i currently don't have cable and so hulu is the only way that i can watch stargate universe which i am enjoying by the way you know i like stargate universe but i think the casting on it is terrible i I think it's developing personally there's i think there's maybe about two character characters that i think that were well casted the others i think should be completely recasted yeah i like the 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 math boy Uh uh-huh character. I also like the commander character. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, I don't think is doing that good of a job. Uh, the senator's daughter, eh. Um, mm-hmm. the, the guy who's, uh, you know, the young captain, lieutenant, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's okay. He could probably grow on me a little bit. Um, but, yeah. It, it, but I think, you know, as it goes on, I think that it, it'll work out. Um, so, but I do like the content. It seems very gritty, 
very very Battlestar Galactica ish. Um, but you know, there's some things that are stark contrast between all the other Stargates. I mean, there are no aliens for one. Yeah, that, that's kind of to me what makes it almost doesn't feel like a battle or a a Stargate show. Yeah, there's, there's just nothing out there. There's just just travel, just going with the wind. Uh, there's there's no uh, there's no new tech really. I mean, they have those kinos, which are the travel, the floating cameras, but that's about it. I mean, everything else is just kind of blah. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that it'll work out to, to have something. I mean, you, they have to know that they're trying to solve the problem. So they have the, the food problem, they have the water problem, and they have the air problem. So as these problems get solved, I think it's going to open it up for more development. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it gets a little bit better. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes, but at this point I'm kind of leaning towards giving it up. Just I there's two characters that I like, the um one computer nerd kid, yeah, and the other one that seems to be the only one that knows anything about the ancients and the technology right. and how to run the ship and Rush. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Those are the only two I care for. Everybody else I could get rid of. Yeah. But Russia's annoying me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of—I kind of liked him. I don't know why, but anyway, back to the Hulu story. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, there's no word on what the subscription model will be, how much it's going to be, or anything. But I've seen a number of polls and stuff taking taken that show that if they do do this, which they will, according to News Corp, which is. A, I think they own a third of Hulu, I think. Something like that, I think. But if this happens, a, I think it was probably like a majority of the people would go back to using BitTorrent, which me, I just stayed on BitTorrent all along. If it's paid for the same content, yes. If it's paid for additional content, like close, like more HBO, Showtime... Even uh, more USA content, or or you know the lower cable, like mm-hmm. packs or whatever, stuff that's currently not on there. I would, you know, the stuff that comes with basic cable that's not available on broadcast mm-hmm. for a small, you know, nominal fee. I, I think I'd be interested in that. They could do some stuff that might make me interested. One, take out the ads. Right, they have to do that too. Yeah. There's no, there's no double dipping. Yeah. Two, I want to have more than just the past four shows if if it's airing the airing of a new season. Yeah, full catalog. Yeah. I don't want any just season twos and season fours of a show. I want the whole thing. I want to be able to watch my whole way through a series if I want. And there's just a lot of things where it's they have some episodes and from different seasons and you just kind of have to pick and choose that it's just the experience in terms of the amount of content that there is and stuff it just isn't all that great compared to what I can find on BitTorrent yeah there's a and what I find on BitTorrent doesn't waste my time with ads either and it's higher quality and portable (laughs) that too and I can watch anything off of BitTorrent outside of the U.S. Mm. Not that I've ever yeah. traveled outside of the U.S., but it's nice to know I have the option. Right, or put to your 
a popular player. That's the only thing. Uh, Hulu, if I could download and watch later, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and get it, and get it like a podcast, like put in my whatever my favorite podcast reader is, and just have it delivered. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, they. There's a lot of things that they could do, and I think that's one of the biggest issues facing um, the entertainment industry is if you hope to defeat piracy, you have to offer a better user experience than piracy. And making it so that you have commercials in it and that you can only watch it from one place, you can't watch it outside of the country, you can't put it on different devices and everything else, does not give you a better user experience than piracy does. Yeah. And until they fix that, it, the problem isn't going to go away. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that you can get uh, you can get Netflix on your PS3, but you still can't get Hulu, right? Yeah, that that's one of the things that kind of really irritated me is when they... I don't know... I've heard conflicting reports of whether it was a firmware change in the PS3 that blocked Hulu content, or if Hulu itself on the website blocked PS3. I've kind of heard it both ways, and when as soon as that happened, that kind of irritated me. I mean, the experience of watching Hulu on the PS3 was never great to begin with, but it just kind of irritated me when they took it off. Not that I ever really watched it, just because I've got plenty of videos that I have streaming to my PS3 anyway. Yeah. And I think that was our last story? That is the last story, um, which reminds me, our tip of the week, the master list of Windows 7 shortcuts. Lifehacker put together a list of all kinds of different shortcuts for Windows 7, so if you happen to be a user of Windows 7, you'll probably find these nice and useful. They've got all kinds of taskbar shortcuts, um, keyboard shortcuts, you name it, they've got all kinds of different tips there, so might want to check that out. And I also got a I saw a tip come across Twitter earlier that if you're installing Windows 7 and you have a dual monitor setup, unplug one of the monitors before you start the setup. Otherwise, apparently the setup screen could move to a second monitor and you not realize it or something to that effect. So, if you have Ooh. so just beware of that if you if you happen to be installing Windows on a dual monitor setup. Yeah, that could be bad. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be too fun. Wow, we actually flew through the show today. We're actually kind of early. But anyway, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up is the other podcast I'm looking into starting based on around piracy, um, peer-to-peer, copyright law, stuff like that. Looking for a name, so if anybody has any suggestions, uh, stick something in the show notes or in the story for the show at globalgeeknews.com shoot me an email pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com or even give me a shout on Twitter I am pcnerd37 on Twitter or Jeremy Bray on Twitter or globalgeeknews on Twitter I really don't care and feel free to follow all three of those accounts as well as Wesley83 on Twitter wouldn't mind yeah I don't know I haven't been getting very many followers other than than spam followers lately but Anyway, don't forget to check out the blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog. And don't forget to check out the show notes, globalgeeknews.com. And don't forget to donate to the show. I've got um, the hosting for the 
for the entire network, Global Geek News, the Geek Podcasting Network, my personal blog, PCNerd37.com, Geek News Daily, and everything else that I do is up in the next, I don't know, 15, 30 days, something like that. And I think it's going to cost me 200 and something to renew the hosting for the next two years. So I could really, so I would really appreciate um, any donations. I believe you can go to globalgeeknews.com slash donations, I believe is the correct link. And I believe that there's a similar link for the blog as well. So, and if you donate anything over $10, you get to put your link on the page, whatever your link happens to be. So if you're looking for some Google juice, that might be a way to help you up in the rankings. Any donations above $25 will get you a shout-out on the show, and we'll shout-out whatever link or whatever you want as well. Um, That's pretty much it in terms of that. Just keep in mind, we do provide you hours of um, education and entertainment, hopefully every week, depending on various technical issues, scheduling issues, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, feel free to... We would appreciate it if you give back to us. And if you don't have the money, that's fine, too. You can always help out by tweeting the link of the show. Just say, hey, go check out the awesome Global Geek News podcast, or something like that. Or sharing the link to it on Facebook, or whatever. Just something to help out, help the show grow. Um, anyway, I think that's just about everything for this week. Can you think of anything else? Nope, that's it for me. Alrighty, well, for Global Geek News, I am Jeremy Bray alongside Wesley Faulkner, and we will see you guys next week. Later. Take care.